0: Hi, and Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Aromatics podcast brought to you by the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy. We go by Naha for short. If you'd like to learn more about Naha and all the work we do, visit naha.org. All right, on to today's episode. I'm your host, Savannah Rose, and today I'll be interviewing Dr. Michelle Duran, Dr. Michelle Duran is a family nurse practitioner, diabetes specialist, certified aromatherapist, and a health and wellness coach. She graduated from the Aromahead Institute with a certification in aromatherapy. Michelle currently serves as a clinical aromatherapist, professor at Florida International University in the graduate nursing department, and teaches in the Doctor of Nursing Practice program. She also has a private company, Healthy Yields, that offers coaching, nutrition, and aromatherapy consultations for women with prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. You can check out the links in the description below to learn more about Michelle. All right, on to the interview. All right, here's the episode. I'm sitting down with Michelle Duran and you might recognize this name from a recent publication in our aromatherapy journal. Michelle wrote a piece about aromatherapy and diabetic neuropathy and after reading that article I wanted to be able to sit down with Michelle and talk to her a little bit more about what she does and the research she takes on and how aromatherapy plays a major role. So um, hello Michelle, welcome and so glad you could be here today.
1: Hi, Savannah. It's
0: nice to join you this morning. And I feel like it's etiquette uh, lately to go ahead and since, you know, you're in Florida and I'm in Idaho, to ask about how you're doing and how your um, how work is going for you, everything going on in the world right now.
1: Yes. So like you said, I am located in South Florida. I'm in Broward County. So one of the hardest counties hit um, by COVID-19, unfortunately. I am a clinical assistant professor at a university here in the state of Florida, um, Florida International University, and I am a graduate nursing professor. So I am fortunate to be able to work from home during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I also own a private company called Healthy Yields, where I do provide integrative services, coaching services for women with type 2 diabetes. And that's where I mainly incorporate
0: the aromatherapy that I do. So you started out in nursing and then went on to become a nurse practitioner. Um, You also have a specialty in endocrinology and diabetes management. And I'm wondering what led you to these disciplines and um, the research you do now and what kind of inspired you about this area of health?
1: So I became, I've been a nurse for over a decade. And when I became a nurse practitioner, a family nurse practitioner, I started out in primary care, and one thing you learn very quickly in primary care is that the healthcare system is being overwhelmed with new diagnosis um, of diabetes. There's so many people in our country that are being diagnosed with diabetes. It's such an epidemic, and really, it's a pandemic. Um, there's about 30 million people diagnosed with diabetes. Six million of those are undiagnosed, so they're walking around without an actual diagnosis, and you have about 84 million people with pre-diabetes, and they have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes within a five-year period. And so as a new nurse practitioner, I was getting so many patients um, with type 2 diabetes not knowing how to manage their their condition um, and they wanted more from the healthcare system. And as a primary care provider, um, I had a good skill set managing people with type 2 diabetes, but I didn't specialize in it. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to be able to really take care of people um, with type 2 diabetes and all types of diabetes. I see um, patients with gestational diabetes, type 1 diabetes, pre diabetes. Um, diabetes-induced by steroid or other type of medication therapies. Um, but I really wanted to get a better understanding of this group and really be able to provide for their needs. And that's something that I didn't have coming out of school as a primary care provider. And so, you know, over the course of my career, an opportunity opened up for me to actually work in an endocrinology practice. Mm-hmm. And I took that opportunity, and um I was able to take classes to better my skill set in mm-hmm. diabetes, so I took an advanced diabetes training class with the College of um Mayo Clinic College of Medicine, and you know learning from the endocrinologists in within my practice and seeing patients really gave me the confidence to be able to start managing these patients the way they really should be managed. I think, you know, a lot of times, especially as clinicians, we take for granted that diabetes is a, a very common clinical problem, um, but it is in no way an easy clinical problem. It's a very complex disease. If you look at the clinical management of diabetes, there's 16 drug classes just to treat um, glycemia, just to treat high elevated glucose levels. And then when you look at the bigger picture, people with diabetes, not only suffer from hyperglycemia, hyperglycemia, uh-huh. elevated glucose levels, um, they also have high blood pressure and high cholesterol, it's kind of like a syndrome, it's not an isolated diagnosis. And so people with diabetes are easily overburdened with medications. Um, And so my journey really began with a passion to be able to help people with diabetes and give them appropriate specialized care and, um, you know, not just take for granted the patients that I was seeing because the problem was so common. I knew there was something much deeper and complex that needed to be addressed for this
0: segment of the population. So you've mentioned how complex, um, diabetes is and how the, all of the different manifestations of their symptoms create this environment where these, these patients are just given a, a cocktail of treatments or medications to treat. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if when you were, Doing these things, if you kept saying to yourself, like, there has to be a better way, there has to be something else I can do for these people besides these kind of intense prescription drugs that might help with some symptoms but cause others. And um, if that's what led you to invest in research and aromatherapy with diabetes
1: so over the course of my journey of being a nurse practitioner i mean yeah you definitely see the shortfalls of the healthcare system and you know, like I said, the clinical management is so complex with 16 different drugs. No one wants to be put on 16 different drugs for one clinical mm-hmm. problem. Um, and then you can imagine they have multiple comorbidities, so they need drugs for those problems as well. So wow. you easily start to get into polypharmacy. And, you know, that kind of feeds into the whole. Patient dissatisfaction. I think people know that we're not supposed to be on this amount of medication. It's not natural. We're not living in balance um, with really what God intended for us. So I feel like my um, my integrative therapy started when I went to went back to school to be a health coach. I attended Emory University in 2018 fall. Um, and it was just life tr- transforming for me, um, learning about integrative therapies within that program and learning about the power of mind-body medicine and learning about focusing on people's strengths rather than weaknesses, because as a conventional practitioner, um, you're taught to focus on the negative. You know, I can give you an example. Um, as a clinical assistant, um, professor, I teach advanced oh. health assessment a lot. And one of the things that we teach students and, and how I was taught is that you always start with the chief complaint. So you always start from a negative standpoint that somebody has something to complain about or, or there's some type of, <clears throat> negative functioning or something is wrong with this person. And we're never taught to look at people's strengths. And so going on that journey of becoming a health coach really changes you because during that process of training, you're also being coached. You're also on the other end. So you know what it's like to be coached. And you start to um, see how health integrates, not with just our physical bodies, but our mind and our spirits, And, And so during that, that health coaching training, it really provided me a path to start to look deeper and to start to reflect on my practice and, and remember, you know, a lot of what my patients would tell me. They, they didn't want more medications. You know, I was in the seat of, I guess, the bad guy. Um, because when they didn't do well with their treatment with their primary care provider, they would be sent to the specialist. And, and of course, as a specialist, you tell them where we're going to go next and um, in their treatment. And usually the next step is more medications or, or insulin. Um, and I was also functioning as a diabetes educator. So I did give them education on self-care, but it was really in a very conventional way. Um, not in a way, not in a sense where, you know, you can try this lifestyle, um, medicine and it may or may not work. Um, just because as a conventional practitioner, you're not really trained to prescribe lifestyle medicine. So you don't know the exact doses of what you should be prescribing in terms of lifestyle. And so you have, um, kind of a pessimistic outlook that it's going to work for the patient. Um, but having gone on that journey, as a health coach, my mind totally changed. And and I started to hear and reflect on what my patients were saying about not wanting to have more medications, but wanting to live um, more balanced and natural and wanting to give lifestyle a try in their regimen to see if that would really help reverse their condition or reduce the need for medication just through um, lifestyle. And so I've always been drawn to the field of aromatherapy. It's something that I looked at for years, even as a conventional practitioner. For some reason, I just had a passion for plants and, and natural living. Um, but I finally got that opportunity to pursue certification um, earlier this year. Well, I started the journey back in, in 2019, and I completed it early in January of um, this year. Um, but I've always just been drawn to that. And I think my background, my cultural background, um, I'm half Jamaican, you know, Caribbean people love to use integrative therapies. And so when I started to get into the field of aromatherapy and use different essential oils, um, my family were very familiar with it. You know, they were familiar with diffusing or burning frankincense and myrrh, um, and certain essential oils in the Caribbean. And so, I think it played right into, into my desire to really get into this field. My culture is built on integrative therapies. Um, so that was, that was nice for me as well, kind of connecting to my roots, um, with getting into this field of aromatherapy and, and, and
0: being able to intersect that, um, with diabetes. Wow. It's, it's really qu- quite amazing to see all of the things you can bring together from your background to really help you um, develop as a practitioner and as a researcher in this area. Um, you bring in this, this vast clinical experience and then this background and coaching that really helps you um, develop the relationship aspects. And those things are just so important to the patient and long term patient care. And I'm wondering what areas you started your research in with using aromatherapy and tools in the holistic uh, medicines to start treating symptoms from your patients and um, in the journal article you talked about using um, aromatherapy as pain management for a uh, distal symmetric polyneuropathy. And I'm wondering if that's kind of where you first started in investing in time and effort with patients to find out if there is something in aromatherapy that could help.
1: So I think um, I started and and I'm still relatively new in the integrative field. Um, but I started to become interested in seeing how certain inflammation blends would treat pain, especially my mom was probably my first, um, my first client. Um, and she suffers from osteoarthritis pretty badly. And I went through, you know, several times of trying to create blends for her to really reduce this inflammation and the pain. And it really made me passionate that you know we could probably make these same inflammation butters um, or something similar to it for people with type 2 diabetes because distal peripheral neuropathy, the most common type of neuropathy, is a, a, a very difficult complication to treat. You know, there are several different drug classes to treat neuropathy. Um, anything ranging from antidepressants or anesthetics or opiates, um, which can be highly addictive, are usually not effective for the treatment or they're just partially effective for the treatment of neuropathy. And so I started, you know, to think that we can probably create aromatherapy blends to help treat this type of complication. And, And in the research, you know, I found a lot of articles that did focus on neuropathy, whether it was neuropathy induced by chemotherapy or if it was diabetes neuropathy or a carpal tunnel neuropathy, that a lot of different essential oils were effective against this type of clinical problem. Um, and, you know. It's very interesting because with neuropathy, not only are you trying to treat the pain, you're also trying to treat the comorbidities that come along with it. So people um, will become, you know, have a lower quality of life or they can develop depression or anxiety or have problems sleeping. Um, If you've ever been in pain, you know, a lot of times the pain is worse at night when you finally calm down. And you're lying in the bed. And so a lot of these essential oils are calming um, and they can serve as a tonic to the central nervous system. And that's what's something that was evident within the literature, that the essential oils actually have these phytochemical properties that are um, fighting or addressing the underlying causes as well of the neuropathy. There's a lot of oxidative stress and damage to the cells and to the tissues um, that happen. And with the essential oils, because they have antioxidants within their properties, they're able to address these underlying um, pathophysiological defects. And so I was definitely inspired by, treat, you know, being able to treat my mom's pain. And I thought, you know, we could also apply this to women um, and
0: to people that have type 2 diabetes and that have peripheral neuropathy. Wow, interesting. So um, what essential oils did you find to be effective? And if, is there something in these essential oils? Uh, what is the phytochemical constituent that you found to be effective in this treatment?
1: Yeah, so the types of essential oils that came up, um, they said one of the most effective ones, and, and you know, that's hard to come by, um, is cannabinoid, CBD, is supposed to be one of the most effective ones um, against neuropathy, but also the terpenes. um, So essential oils in the terpenine family are very effective against this type of pain. And then you also have menthol um, that I found, peppermint, that is supposed to be very effective against um, neuropathic pain. So any type of nerve pain, I think, is going to be really, really respond to those types of essential oils. And oils that kind of calm the nervous system as well can be blended with them. So lavender or clary sage, um, looking for um, those alcohols that have Those healing properties and those calming properties also help with the sleep um, and, and helping people to kind of calm down as
0: well. Interesting. And so like with aromatherapy too, we know that sometimes when you use a blend of essential oils topically that some of the benefits come from inhaling the aromas and having those phytochemicals um, work in your central nervous system. And are those things that uh, also contribute in, in this case to the treatment plan?
1: Right. Yeah. So the physiology um, of using the essential oils topically, especially when you're blending it with other carrier oils, um, they have a lot of anti-inflammatory effects. And so that helps to ease the inflammation and the oxidative stress that's associated with the diabetes neuropathy. But yeah, also considering the olfactory system and how that um, connects directly to the limbic system. And the limbic system has so many different components um, that helps control our emotion regulates our emotions and accesses parts of the brain that helps to regulate sleep and stress and activate our parasympathetic nervous system where we're able to relax um and we're able to really just take in the whole the whole experience makes a big difference opposed to a medication. Um, that may be clinically directed just toward treating the pain, you leave out the whole syndrome that is associated with diabetes neuropathy. So, you know, diabetes neuropathy affects so many parts of somebody's life. And when you use those essential oils, they're kind of, they're able to access different areas of the brain that are able to activate the Parts of the body that help you to relax and rejuvenate and repair, opposed to activating the stress response, um, because the stress response is going to be activated when somebody's in pain. And if somebody is consistently activating that particular response in the body, they're going to have hormonal imbalances, they're going to have elevated cortisol levels, they're going to be at risk for infections, because they're going to be immunosuppressed. Um, and ultimately, that that um, body is going to continue to have a bunch of inflammation. And so it's nice to be able to use the essential oils because it addresses those pathophysiological defects. It's not just treating the symptoms. It's really getting to the underlying problem.
0: Yes, it's so interesting when you learn about the the domino effect that um can be caused by your body's stress response and how one thing leads to another leads to another, which um, kind of propels itself in such a way that it's the the symptoms that you you feel and you notice and um, how essential oils not – or a lot of times we find out that essential oils can not only help us deal with the symptoms, which a lot of times that's what medications are for, but it could actually help us kind of restore that balance from where the, the beginning domino falls. Um, it it can help prop it up. So, things don't lead to, to these serious manifestations and um, I'm wondering what other types of things have you worked with and um, have you used aromatherapy for in your care um, in management of people with diabetes?
1: Oh yeah so I love using essential oils for stress management and for sleep and for common clinical problems that any woman may have, um, headaches, Um, sore muscles. Um, But definitely, you know, I focus on stress and sleep because those are two factors, again, that are going to cause hormonal imbalances in the body. Um, they can cause problems with elevated blood glucose, because if you're stressed, you're constantly triggering that stress response, and you're going to have elevated cortisol levels. And if you're not sleeping, that puts a type of physiological and psychological stress on the body, and that's going to start um, triggering some hormonal imbalances. So I love to create blends around stress and sleep, and I find that it is also a good idea to probably combine these blends with mind-body exercises. And so anytime someone has a chronic condition, you know, that's a traumatic experience, even though we may not define it as trauma. I just completed a class, um, a training in mind-body exercises focusing on trauma. And basically what the, the um, founder of this um, program says they've written a book called The Transformation. His name is Dr. James Gordon, um, and he is an integrative psychiatrist. He was put into place to head um, the National Institutes of Complementary and Alternative Medicine under the Bill Clinton administration, and, and he recently wrote a book and he has a training program that I recently completed where he says, you know, most of us think that there's two misconceptions about trauma and that trauma only happens to people that have experienced very um, severe violent crimes or wars. Um, and the second misconception is that trauma is never, is un yielding or never ending that you cannot overcome trauma. And in his book, he says that most of us has on un, have undergone trauma, and that people that are living with a chronic condition are living with the trauma of their condition. And so I find that aromatherapy plays very well into combining it with mind-body exercises. Um, and by mind-body exercises, I mean that field where we know that your thoughts, your attitudes, your emotions all have an effect on your physical body. Um, And so aromatherapy, I think, plays such a nice role with combining mind-body exercises with them. Um, You know, meditation and aromatherapy is great. And and historically, looking at how aromatherapy were used in different cultures and religions over time, um, you know, it was always used with mind-body medicine. So I think combining mind-body medicine with essential oils, especially for people um, living with diabetes that experience a high level of diabetes burnout or depression and anxiety um, because their condition requires so many different self-care activities and, um, I think it's a great way to use essential oils with that type of alternative medicine as well. Um, and, you know, like I said, sleep is is so important. You know, if we were to really create a hierarchy of self-care needs, sleep and stress are right at the bottom because someone cannot really be goal oriented. Um, if they're deprived of energy and if they're always stressed, your mind and different areas of the brain that are really focused towards creating goals like your prefrontal cortex are not activated at that time. You're really um, functioning, you know, on on zero or running on zero. And I think to be able to start from there and to help somebody create self-care regimens around their stress and sleep are, are probably key components into healing the body and whatever is going on.
0: So you might be at that place now that clients seek you out specifically for the type of treatment plans you do offer, but um, do you ever, or when you did, did you ever work with patients that were maybe reluctant, or um, how do you kind of get patients invested in this type of care who are suffering?
1: Well, I think education goes a long way. So right now I run a 12-week integrative coaching program. And so a part of that program is nutrition, aromatherapy, focusing on exercising more, movement, street stress, and sleep, um, and their coping um, strategies. And so aromatherapy is a part of that integrative process. So it's not the only thing that is in that within that integrative framework. Um, I find that a lot of people are interested in aromatherapy. And I think education goes a long way with getting people excited about aromatherapy. Um, You know, I think back about before I got trained, I didn't know that there were so many different essential oils. I didn't know anything about a GCMS report or safety or how to blend or even knowing that aromatherapy or essential oils could be actually used in blends. Um, and so I think a lot of people are starting at that same point where they don't really know the full potential. And. When they're educated about what the aromatherapy can offer and the alternative, the alternative are, are using those conventional products or medications that have a lot of toxins um, that can disrupt the endocrine system. I think, you know, they get on board rather quickly with it. Um, is everyone going to be avid about aromatherapy? I'm not sure, but I think a lot of people, especially in this day and age where we're living in and where there's a desire to live more natural um, and and realize how contaminated our environment is, a lot of people are getting on board um, with wanting to use
0: aromatherapy in their self-care regimen. So are you able to share the work you do in the research um, with your students on an academic level? Um, are, you helping, are you able to help train the new generation into looking in these avenues to, for patient care?
1: So integrative medicine is something that I am able to incorporate some into the curriculum, um, not as much as I would like. Um, because, you know, that would take a lot of policies and procedures to be changed within the education system. And so, yeah, primarily we are teaching um, our students from a westernized type of philosophy of medicine, um, but you know, when I get the opportunity to talk to them about aromatherapy, talk to them about nutrition, I definitely take that opportunity. And I think especially within the field of nursing, a lot of nurses are open to learning about those integrative therapies. You know, um, the founder of nursing, Florence Nightingale, was one of the first nurses to use essential oils in within the Crimean War um she used lavender with soldiers and to calm and for burns and so you know it's within the nursing um history and and the nursing culture to to seek out integrative therapies um unfortunately we are still a part of a bigger healthcare system that is westernized but, I think when we have those opportunities, nurses take those opportunities, and I definitely take the opportunity to teach them it,
0: and they're very excited about it. That was about to be my next question, like do these students care? Are they interested in it? Is there an interest in the education side of it if they can't learn it during their class time? Do they try to seek out additional educational opportunities?
1: We definitely
0: have students that
1: seeks out those opportunities, and I encourage them. You know, I had one um, student in particular. She's still becoming a nurse practitioner. She's in her master's program, but right after they finish their master's program, they have to complete a doctoral project. And she's an oncology, and she wants to use um, aromatherapy with oncology, pediatric oncology patients, but. She was getting a little bit discouraged because, you know, the research is probably not as robust as the pharmaceutical research. And I mean, there are political reasons behind that. You know, it takes a billion dollars to get a drug to market. I don't know how many people would be able to get a billion dollars to check the efficacy of 56 or however many essential oils that are on the market and who's going to have the copyright for that particular essential oil once they test the efficacy. Um, So she was getting pretty discouraged and I told her, you need to research this um, because the only way we're going to grow the field of aromatherapy. Is through research. Um, and if everybody is turning down research because we don't have the same power as the pharmaceutical companies, um, then, you know, we're we're going to be we're going to make the field stagnated. Um, so a lot more people have to go and they have to start researching um aromatherapy, you know, we may not get the same approvals as pharmaceutical. It may not be for the same intention to get a certain aromatherapy product on the market and copyrighted for a billion dollars, um, <laughs> but we can definitely show the efficacy of how aromatherapy can be integrated within the healthcare system, and she herself became interested in it because she had patients that brought aromatherapy to the hospital, Um, And again, they had that Caribbean background. So you find a lot of people, especially in South Florida with that Caribbean background, that are used to a lot of herbal medications and aromatherapy, and they're very open to it. And I think, you know, even within our culture, more and more people are becoming open to it. So we just have to be optimistic. And we have to research within our field to expand
0: it. Yeah, I I mean, I completely agree. And it's a shame that you know, the outlets that do this type of research that would be so helpful to, to the healthcare system as a whole won't invest because, you know, there's no money in it. You can't make the same kind of money you can from essential oils that you can from these like highly manufactured drugs. And um, we, we do the best we can. And I totally agree. We should definitely invest in the the research avenues. It's great that we have so many practitioners, but yeah, the they can only get so far until the the research can really help them and support them and and grow the field. From literally, that's the ground. That's the groundwork we have is the research we're capable of doing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a perpetual cycle, and you know it's all politics. Our our like you said earlier, our healthcare system is based on a westernized philosophy, and it's going to take a while to break from break away from that. Fortunately, there are a lot of different medical subspecialties um, that are growing every day. Um, I'm a part of lifestyle medicine, um, which is a medical subspecialty that believes in the healing of the mind, body and spirit. And so does functional medicine. And so does integrative medicine. And so you're starting to see the emergence of a lot of these medical subspecialties that are are starting to stray away from that conventional westernized approach and realize that you know there are a lot of other integrative ways to help heal somebody's mind body and spirit so i'm optimistic that things are going to change and um even being a part of certain subspecialties, you know, one of the components of a lot of these specialties is that you use non-drug modalities, that you don't have to use pharmaceutical drugs for everything. And it's not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, we know that westernized medicine has um, really extended life and really has allowed people to live um, years beyond your life expectancy in some cases, with or without a quality of life, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, our system does have a lot of strengths. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it seem that it doesn't because it, and in a lot of cases, some people do need medication and the medication is effective. But I think we need to also look at the other side of healthcare. We need to look at, um, some of these other philosophies that are looking at the whole person because you can't treat one part of a person and expect complete healing to take place. So you can't just treat their physical bodies. And if there's something unresolved within their spirit or their emotions, that's still going to take a toll, um, on their, on their pathology. And so, if we have a philosophy that totally ignores those different components, then we're never going to get to the real um, goal that we're trying to achieve. And and that's complete healing and complete
0: well-being. Oh, that was well said. Very well said. All right, Michelle. Well, um, I wanted to leave you a few minutes to let everybody know um, if people want to get in touch with you about the courses you do about the education and training or about the actual one-on-one client coaching, um, please leave that information here so they can know where to find you. Yes.
1: So I own a a coaching company and I specialize in integrative therapies. They can get in touch with me at www.healthyyields.com and I provide services for women with type 2 diabetes or pre-diabetes and really the the course or the program that I offer would be good for anybody um you know when I used to see newly diagnosed um, people with diabetes in the office sometimes there was this impression that there was a specific diet. Um, that people with diabetes ate that other people without diabetes didn't eat and and that's just not true. um when we treat somebody with diabetes, they eat the same foods that we eat. It's just that this society, especially within the United States um we don't eat very healthy. Our healthy eating index um really reflects that. It's a survey that's taken every couple of years, and it shows how far we are from the mark of eating healthy. And so if we were just able to teach people how to eat healthy, not necessarily put them on a specialized or restrictive diet, just teach people how to eat and balance um, with the environment, not eating a lot of processed foods, not drinking a lot of sugar-sweetened beverages, um, things with trans fat, or just things that aren't real, they're not real foods, then We go a long way with doing that. So the same principles that I teach someone with diabetes would be the same principles that I would teach someone without diabetes. And so right now I have a 12-week coaching program where I integrate integrative, um, I I call it integrative nutrition because it's a type of nutrition directed um, at healing and it's medicinal. And so it's a 12-week nutrition program with meal plans. Um, also there's weekly coaching calls and every week I cover a different topic with my clients. And some of those topics are the aromatherapy and how to integrate more aromatherapy within the self-care regimen so that they can accomplish, um, goals for a more restorative and reparative sleep and for stress management. Um, and if there's any pain that's, I'm also able to create blends for that because that often interrupts. Um, and interferes with restorative sleep. And so, if anyone wants to work with me, if they have diabetes or not, um, I specialize in healthcare for women because I believe that women do have specific needs, um, a little different from men, just because you know we we process stress differently, and so women are more at risk um, for depression depressive and anxiety disorders. Unfortunately, Um, we outnumber men probably two to one in those types of conditions. And so that's why my aromatherapy focuses on stress and sleep. Um, And also women tend to have um, worse outcomes when it comes to heart disease. They're not treated as aggressively. If they have a cardiovascular event, they're treated less aggressively than men are. And so they're less likely if they have a cardiovascular event to live um, after that cardiovascular event. And so I designed a program specifically for women to be able to overcome um, some of these these this, um I guess kind of like discriminatory discriminatory acts you see in health care against women. Mm -hmm. Um, Women have to be empowered to be able to take control over their health. And so my program is really geared towards helping women live healthier so they can avoid a lot of these complications and helping them to live naturally Um, because no one wants to be on 16 different drugs Mm -hmm. for a clinical problem. So I help you to use your lifestyle to achieve the goals that you want. And and whether that leads to being on no medication or reducing medication, everybody's journey to healing is a little bit different. Um, so it looks different for everyone, but you definitely develop the skills that you need to be able to live um,
0: the way that you would like or optimally like. Awesome. And we will put um, all of the links to her website and her courses in the show description below. So thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. Um, I know how busy you are. It's the new school year. There's COVID. Uh, You work with people online. You have these online courses. So Thanks again for taking some time out of your busy day to sit down and chat with me. And I can't wait to hear and see more from you in the future with Naha. And I hope you keep writing for our journal and maybe we can get you on for a webinar. And um, I just love being able to take this time today to chat with you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Savannah. It was such a pleasure being able to talk with you and the audience today. I'm glad to always connect with a fellow integrative practitioner that really appreciates the field of aromatherapy and all of the potential that we can really accomplish um, in this field with our patients and in our own lives for self-care.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love Naha for the way it, it always brings me together with people that um, I love getting together with and sharing ideas with. So yeah, um. Michelle, thanks again. I hope we get to meet together in person soon. And, um, I hope you have a good rest of your 2020 and man, I hope 2021 gets a a little bit better. So have a good day and we'll see you next time on the beyond aromatics podcast. All right. That's it for this episode. If you want to learn more about Naha, you can visit our website at naha.org. You can find us on Facebook at Aromatherapy Community or on Instagram at Beyond Aromatics.